So uh, turn to Numbers 21, 4 through 9. Numbers 21, 4 through 9. That's in the Old Testament near the beginning of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers 29, 4 through 9. I'm sorry, Numbers 21, 4 through 9. Numbers 21, 4 through 9. My name is Ryan. If you don't know me, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here for the first official Fall United. Now that we've had our kickoff, we're back in here doing our normal thing. We're so excited about it. We're starting a new series called Look Up, and it's all about looking to God, looking to Jesus and allowing Him um, to do work in our lives and not trying to do it ourselves. It's all about looking up towards the cross, looking up towards the glory of God. And as you can see right here tonight, and as you can see in your notes, we are talking about the glory. So turn with me to Numbers 21. We're going to look at verses 4, four through 9. 4 through 9. And this is, uh, again, in the Old Testament. This is Moses and the Israelites. They've left Egypt. They, they, they did the whole Ten Commandments, thing, or they did the whole uh, 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 Egypt, the Ten Plagues, and now they are out in the desert roaming around. And here's what happens. It says they traveled from Mount Hor along the route to, Red, to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. So God saves them, and just a little bit later, they're complaining. In fact, they're saying, I want to go back into slavery. How ridiculous is that? God's putting food on the ground for them every day, a miracle. They just walk outside and there's food on the ground. They say, we don't want this stuff anymore, God. Essentially, they're saying, we don't want you, God. We're done with you. So God says, okay. And so the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. I know that sounds bad, but we'll, we'll explain what the deal is with that later. The people came to Moses and said, we sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look up at it and live. They can look at it and live. Look and live. Look up. So Moses made a bronze snake and he put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he would live. Seems kind of like just... A random kind of cool story, but then it, it takes on significance when you turn over to John 3 in the New Testament, John 3, and we're going to look at right before John 3, 16, which is the famous verse that everyone knows and puts up at football games, and we're going to look at John 3, 14 and 15, and here's what it says. Just as Moses, and this is Jesus talking, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, lifted up the bronze snake. So the Son of Man, Jesus is talking about himself, so, so Jesus must be lifted up, must be lifted up on a cross that everyone who believes in him or looks to him may have eternal life. So God took this thing that happened thousands of years ago, and he did it so that one day Jesus could say this line, just like Moses in the desert, when Moses lifted up the snake, so I must be lifted up on a cross. So that whoever believes in me, looks to me, will have eternal life. Let's pray together, and then we'll get started. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for these words that you've given us. We thank you for your glory. Lord, we pray that um, 
through your glory, you will change us. Lord, I pray tonight that you would speak through me, that you would speak to us, and that we would all listen to you. That our eyes would be opened, our ears open to what you have to say to us. In your holy name we pray, amen. All right, so um, has anybody ever been in the presence of a famous person? Anybody? Anybody ever met a famous person? Maybe the famous person uh, uh, is, is kind of small-time famous to us, or maybe it's someone that's, that's huge. Uh, maybe it's an athlete, maybe it's a musician, something like that. Maybe, maybe it's not even a famous person. Maybe it's um, that you've been in the presence of greatness. Has anyone ever felt like they were in the presence of greatness? You walk in, John Moffat, he feels like he's in the presence of greatness every time he walks home to, and sees his wife, right? In the presence of greatness, baby. But we, we sometimes we're in the presence of greatness, and sometimes the greatness isn't necessarily famous. Maybe that greatness is the person that you just, like your first crush, and you're a sixth grader, and you're like, oh my gosh, girls, oh my gosh, boys. And, and, and you're like, oh, wow, they're so great. They're so amazing. There's so much, there's so much greatness there in their little overalls and their and their vans and they look so cute and and i think back to my third grade crush i don't even how do, how do you even have a crush in third grade what's there to be attracted to in third grade but but we we would see i would see this girl and her name was amanda and i'd be like wow there's so much greatness there so you've been in the presence of greatness you might feel like you've been in the presence of greatness when i was little i grew up in tampa um for kind of my i guess formative years from eight to 15 i lived in tampa um i was a just monster Buccaneers fan. I loved Tampa Bay. I loved everything about them. I knew every player. I had their trading cards. Um, I would go to the games, and they were terrible for the first few years I was there. Then they started to get a little bit good, but, but I just loved them like crazy. My dad's best friend was the director of marketing for the entire Bucks organization, so he got us free stuff, right? And he got us opportunities to go um, to training camp. So we'd go to training camp, and like I'd get to stand. like I'd go in the special tent where they give you like water and and, and beverages and, and food and and then like the players are walking around you and i'm like really little and i'm just looking up at these monstrous men um walking around and they were like giants they were they were greatness and especially when you're like 10 years old like athletes are on like if you're a 10 year old boy like an athlete is that's a, as cool as it gets that's amazing that's glory that's greatness you're in awe of them and and, and so i'd walk around and it would just be like the highlight of my year and i'd walk around for a couple days and i would just I'd be walking around the fields, and I'm sure I was just an annoying little boy, like, hey, yeah, I love you guys, and I had, like, hadn't gone through puberty yet, so I'm like, hey, give me an autograph, will you be my friend, and they're like, you, we don't care about you, you're just some random uh, spoiled kid that gets to come in here because you know somebody, and so I'd be walking around, I'd be looking at all the players and saying hi, and I'd have this, my little autograph book, and I'd open it up, I'd say, will you sign the autograph, and, and, and one time this player came, and I, I, I knew a lot, like, I knew stats, and I knew, like, players' names and everything, and so, like, I wanted to show I knew stuff. And so this receiver came, and he had blown out his knee the year before. He torn his ACL, and, um, and he was kind of like, everybody thought he was really good, even though he played for the Bucks, so he wasn't very good. But I, we thought he was, like, amazing, and I was like, oh, man, uh, Horace Copeland, he's awesome. And, and so, so he comes through, and, and, and all the guys, like, all the big, like, burly guys that have, like, you know, like, the, the old men that are, like, losers and just obsessed with, with sports and stuff and have nothing else in their lives, they just, they were all like, oh, hey, Horace, <laughs> have a good season this year, and they're like giving them all these like, like little like high fives and little cool sayings and stuff, and I'm like, oh, I want to be like these guys, I'm like, hey. so, and I knew he had torn his ACL, and that he'd blown out his knee, so I'm like, hey mister, I hope you, I hope you don't blow your knee out again, and, and then the guy's like, gosh, why'd you say that, kid, and I was like, I just wanted to be cool, 
And so uh, I, I got in greatness and I just like lost my mind because I, I just had nothing to say to them because I was around greatness. I was around who I thought was beautiful. I, I like to, uh, or I thought was, was just great and glorious, these, these, these uh, titans of sports. Um, and, and me and Karen go, uh, like to go hiking and, we've been, and we have some pictures up here. Uh, we went to Yosemite a few years ago. And we, went, uh, and we went down into the valley uh, in Yosemite's in California. And, um, and so there's this, this mountain cliff called El Capitan. Everybody say, El Capitan. El Capitan. This is not the right picture. This is the waterfall. I'll get to that. Okay, so this is Yosemite, and it's just amazing. And sometimes greatness isn't just people. Sometimes it's like you go out into nature, and you're like, I can't believe this exists. Like, how small do you feel when you stand up next to a mountain like that? People spend like weeks climbing up the face of these mountains, weeks, and they just like hang on the side because it's that great and they just want to be a part of it. And, and it just kind of has a, has a, it gives you a feeling of awe of, of the greatness. I have a picture of a tree and this isn't like a sequoia tree, um, but it's like this monstrous pine tree. And like we have pine trees here that are kind of tall, but this, look at this, was like, it was like humongous. So I hugged it and, um, and I was just like, wow, this is amazing. We don't have trees like this in Florida. Like we have like little pine trees, but we don't have like trees that I can't even put my hands around. This is amazing. And then um, on our honeymoon, we went to this little island called Dominica, and it's like in the South Caribbean. Um, not many people have heard about it. And me and Karen went hiking up this river to Sari Sari Falls, and, and we spent like an hour and a half. There was no one there. There were no tour guides. There were no other people, and, and we're just in silence besides just animals kind of like chirping and birds chirping, and we're climbing up these rocks. And this is the second biggest waterfall in, in Dominica, and it's 200 feet. And, and when you get Next to something like this, you realize just how big the world is, how amazing God is, how amazing uh, uh, nature is. You get up next to something and you feel the mist coming at you from 100 yards away and you hear it and you can't even hear each other talk. And if I tried to, I would get in the water and I'd try to swim towards it, but it was just like intimidating. It was so big and, and it would like push me away. It had its own current, its own wave pool and it was amazing and, and you have these feelings of, uh, of just humility. I'm humbled by the size of this and by the power. I'm in awe. I'm awestruck. I have respect. What I would call this is glory. It's glory. And glory can come in a lot of different ways, and almost anything that exists has some form of glory, or else they wouldn't even exist. And, and so a lot of times nature, oh, we see a lot of glory in nature. And so what is glory? That's what we're talking about tonight. What is glory? Now, glory is used in a lot of ways in the Bible. Um, we hear, like, you need to give glory to God. And you also hear, um, uh, God has all this glory and his glory shown. And you also hear, one day we will spend eternity in glory. So it's like, is it a place? Is it a thing? Is it a verb? What is it? And, and it's kind of all those things. But there's basically uh, two uses. There's basically two uses. There's glory possessed. So this is glory that is, is put out by something. This is glory like, like a mountain and its size. And we look up at it. And its glory is that it's humongous that you can see it from miles away, that you can stand on top of it and see everything in the distance. That is its glory. You see the glory of, a, of an athlete, and their glory is that they're huge, that they're ripped, that they can jump extreme distances, that they can run really fast and catch balls and, and throw dunks down, and, and that is their glory as an athlete. If you look at someone that's just really good looking, and it, doesn't, it could be someone that's not famous at all, it's just like the, the really good looking person at your high school, and their glory, uh, not, uh, not all their value or anything like that, but their glory a lot of times is in their good looks. As people, as they walk into a room, if a girl walks into a room and she's really good looking, all the guys are kind of just like, what were you saying? The same thing with girls. 
they, you know, the guy walks, and like, but they, they react a little bit differently. They react a little bit more like, oh my gosh, yes. Like guys are just like, oh, <laughs> what? Okay, and girls are just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> they do like this little thing. And so, uh, but that's the glory of a good-looking person. They, they have a glory, it's glory-possessed. And then there's a second kind of glory, and, and that's glory-given. This is when we give glory to something. So we see something, so the glory-possessed is the girl walking, and she's beautiful. The glory-given is the guys looking at her with dropped jaws. That, that's kind of the glory-possessed and the glory-given. And so we have glory given, and what we'll talk about next week is worship, because that's really what glory given is. It's, it's worshiping something that deserves praise. Worshiping and noticing something that has glory. And in the Old Testament, there was a word used for glory, and the root word was kabad. Everybody say kabad. Kabad. And so kabad literally meant weight or heaviness. And you may say, well, what does that have to do with glory? Well, that, that is what glory is. It is it is the weight of something, the importance of something, that something, uh, that something is, is magnificent, that it has a, a weight to it or a heaviness to it. And so we are gonna, we're going to basically define glory because we've got to define it or, we, or else you know, we won't know what we're talking about here. So glory is excellence that shows. Glory is excellence that shows. And, and by extension, what is the glory of God? It is God's excellence being shown. It is God's excellence being shown. So the glory of God is God's excellence being shown. So let's look at God's glory for a second. Let's look at God's glory in Scripture. Look at what happens in the Old Testament. Look at the, 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 the magical, almost magical things that God does. He, he rescues Millions of people from the greatest empire in creation at the time with plagues, with massive amounts of frogs and locusts, with turning the water into blood, with getting rid of all light, turning off the sun and the stars. We see, we see a God, uh, his glory is shown in the book of Job. In the book of Job, it's, it's this guy where everything goes wrong for him and, and Satan wants to say like, well, he's going to turn away from you. And God's like, no, he loves me. He's not going to turn away from me. And at this point where everything's going wrong for Job, he turns to God and he says, God, uh, you're wrong. You've messed up. What if, why have you done this to me? I love you. Why did you mess me up? Why did you ruin my life? And God says one of the, like, one of, like, the just most hardcore verses in the history, in, in all of scripture, he says, brace yourself like a man. I'm going to tell you something, and you're going to answer for it. He says, brace yourself like a man. Stand up, stand in front of me, and listen to what I have to say, because I'm about to show you who's boss. I'm going to show you what's going on. And so he goes on to say, well, well, where were you when I measured out the earth? Where were you when I told the waves to stop right here at the beach? Where were you when I created those mountains? Where were you when I numbered out the sand and put it on the ocean, on the, on the beachfront? Where were you when I told the sun, you stand here and don't come any closer? When, where were you when I put the stars in the sky? Where were you? Do you know where I keep all the snow? Do you know where I keep the hail? Do you know where I keep all the rain? Go ahead and tell me, Job, because you're telling me you're God. You're telling me you know everything. Tell me what to do. Tell, tell, me, how, tell me how things are going. And so we see the glory of God in Scripture. We see the glory of God in nature. As I, as I told you, as I showed you that waterfall and that mountain, we, we, see the, we see the glory of him because he created that. Like we see a mountain, we're like, that's amazing. Well, think about how amazing the creator of the mountain is. 
Think about the guy who says, water, you fall right here. Let me stretch you out, and you're going you're gonna to go 300 feet. You're going to go 100 feet. You're just going to be a little one that trickles over the rocks. We, we see a God that's amazing in, in, in nature. There are, there, are, there are things that we will never even see. No human will ever see in the ocean. We'll never discover. We'll never know what it is. We'll never even know it exists. But God created it for his glory. He created something that can give itself its own light and swim around in darkness and live in sub, basically sub-zero temperatures in the bottom of the ocean in complete darkness just because he wanted to, just because he's creative, just because he has glory and he just wanted to show it. That's the glory of God. God knows where a deer has its children. God knows every hair that's on a horse's head. God knows where the mountain goat roams in the mountains. God knows where the tiger goes through the, goes through the forest and, and through the, the rainforest. God knows all of those things because he is full of glory. He created those things to show his glory. In the Bible it says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled of his glory. The earth is just a representation of God's glory, just a small piece of God's glory. We see his power and that he can do whatever he wants. He could create the universe like that. We see his power in that. We see his power in human beings. You know, every day, 300 million cells in your body die. That's, that's called dying. Uh, but the good news is your body makes 3 billion cells each day, 3 billion new cells. And so you don't die because it more than replicates the number of cells that died. If you, if you were to take all your DNA strands, there's DNA in every cell in your body. If you were to take all your little minute DNA strands and stretch them out, and I think I'm getting this right, it would, it would reach from the earth to the sun and back 70 times. Do you, do you understand how in, insane that is that inside this little body, there's enough microscopic DNA just folded up a million times into one cell. Each cell has six and a half feet of, of DNA that, that it could reach to the sun and back 70 times. We are full of his glory. As, as Jacob said, we are the greatest creation that God ever made. He looked at everything else and said, you know, you're, you're great, but look at humanity. This is, this, is, this is why I created the world, so I could create humans. And he didn't need us. He created us to show us his glory. He created us to have relationship with us. He created us just so that we could have the chance to experience him. That's it. That, that's why he created us. He created us to show all of his glory, to show everything that he has inside. We see his glory in space, in, in these massive uh, amounts of stars in the sky, and, and there's galaxies we don't even know about because he is full of glory. No one's ever even going to go to those places, but he's full of glory, so he created it because he can. And I think we most see his glory at the cross with grace. So he creates us just so that we could love him, just so we could have relationship with him. He made us, and then what do we do? I don't want you, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for creating me and all. Thanks for breathing life into my lungs, but I got it from here. I, I got it. I don't need you anymore. And we reject God and push him away and say, I'm my own God. I'll do what I want to do. I'll control what I want to control. And we turn away from him. He gives us everything, and we want nothing. And we turn away from him. And then what does he do? He doesn't say, all right, go, uh, go just die, spend eternity away from me. He says, no, 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 I'm going to send my son to earth. 
I'm going to send my holy and righteous son that can't even be in the presence of sin to a sinful earth so, so that he can save humanity. We see God's glory in Jesus. In Hebrews 1, 3, it says, the son is the radiance of God's glory. The son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. The exact representation of his being. And so I have two points. One is the reason for everything is to point to God and his glory. So if you have notes and you want to write that down, the reason for everything is to point to God and his glory. The reason for everything is to point to God and his glory. I read a quote, and we'll we'll put it up here, by a a pastor named John Piper. This is what it says. The created universe is all about glory. The deepest longing of the human heart and the deepest meaning of heaven and earth are summed up in this. The glory of God. The universe was made to show it, and we were made to see it and to savor it. Nothing less will do. Which is why the world is as disordered and dysfunctional as it is. We have exchanged the glory of God for other things. We call those other things idols. We've exchanged what God has given us, the glory of God, how magnificent he is. And we've just said, I'll take, I'll just take this. I I just want my stuff. I just want my money. I just want my relationships. I just want my sin. And, And I don't need you, God. So that's all great. We, we've, said, we've defined what glory is. We've said the world is full of it. We're, we've said that God is full of glory. He is the most magnificent uh, uh, being in all of creation. He created creation. But what does that have to do with us? Why does glory matter? So open up to Exodus 33. Why does glory matter? What does this have to do with us? Open up to Exodus 33. It is the uh, second book of the Bible. Second book of the Bible, Exodus 33. We're going to look at verse 18 through 23, and we're, then we're going to jump forward to, verse, uh, to chapter 34. So why does glory matter? What does glory have to do with us? What does glory have to do with me and you? Exodus 33, 18. So what's going on here is Moses um, is leading the people, and the people turn against God again, and God says, okay, just go on, I'm not coming with you. You go ahead, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you all my stuff, I'm going to let you have success and go to conquer other, other peoples and, and take over the promised land, but I'm not coming with you. You don't love me, you're a stiff-necked people, that means basically you're, you're, you're stubborn, you don't, you don't want anything to do with me. And then, God, and then Moses says, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. So then we'll start in verse 18. <clears throat> Moses said, now show me your glory. Really, the best, the best thing we can ever say to God, show me your glory. Verse 19, and the Lord said, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you. Glory equals goodness. The goodness of God is his glory, how good he is, how much he's created, the excellence that is shown. He said, I'll cause my goodness or my glory to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one can see me and live. His glory is so great that if we saw him face to face in this human body, we would not live. And so he says, 
I'm going to do something else because you, you can't see you can't see this until you come into into eternity. So you just you just got to have to settle for uh, for what I'm going to show you. I'm just going to kind of show you me walking away. Kind of like my back just walking away from you because you cannot see my face. You cannot see my face and live. So in verse 21, the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. So not only are you only going to see my back, you're not going to see my face, but I'm just going to kind of shield your vision so that you can't see all of it. Because just the glory you're going to see is going to wreck you. you. You cannot see me and live. He said, then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. And so we skip forward. He gives him the new uh, Ten Commandments after they were uh, thrown on the floor by Moses himself and, and cracked. So he gives them the Ten Commandments again, and we jump forward to uh, Exodus 34, 29 through 35. So just go forward one chapter, Exodus 34, 29 through 35. So Moses is now coming down. He sees God's glory, and now he's coming down from the mountain, and this is what happens. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to even come near him. This isn't God. They were afraid to even come near Moses who hadn't even seen his face. All they really saw was his backside, just enough for Moses to live. And they were afraid to even come near him. Verse 31, but Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him and he spoke to them. 32, afterward all the Israelites came near him and he gave them the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. So here's the second point and the last point. Encountering God's glory is what changes us. Encountering God's glory is what changes us. So the glory of God is God's excellence being shown. The reason for everything is to point to God and his glory. And encountering his glory is what changes us. Now this is where a lot of us get it wrong as Christians. This is what we say. God's glory is great. We love Jesus. He saved us. But now we got to do this, 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 and this. Hey, let me give you 10 tips to living a better life. Let me give you 10 tips to a better marriage, five tips to quiet time, three tips to mission work. And, and, and if you get all these right, if you do all these things, you're going to be okay. That's not what the Bible says. That's what, that's what we kind of just make up. It's like what the Israelites did. He gave them 10 commandments and they turned it into 400 commandments or, or 600 commandments. He, he, he took just, they took this little bit and then the humans just added all this stuff to it. And that's what we've done. He says, look at my glory. I gave you Jesus. He's the radiance of my glory. He is my glory personified. And then we say... Okay, God, hold on a second. Let us write a list of rules. Let us write a bunch of tips and advice columns and, and, and self-help books. What we need to do is not learn more. We don't need to do more. We don't need to read more. We don't need to become smarter and learn more Bible verses. We need to encounter God's glory. We need to encounter God's glory. We need to gaze on his glory. And we're going to talk about that in a few weeks, what it means to gaze on his glory. But if we want to, if we want to live, if we want to live an abundant life, if we want to have eternity with God, we need to gaze at his glory. I'll tell you what, if you, what will happen if you don't gaze on his glory. If you just come to church and, and you try to be better and try harder, you're never going to conquer your sin. 
your sin will just keep messing you up. You might have small wins, and you're going to have deep valleys, because you're just going to keep trying harder, and then you're going to mess up, and you'll be like, I messed up again, because we're not perfect. We always mess up, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We will not have victory over sin until we look to God to change us. We will not live eternally unless we look to God to change us. We will not make it through the struggle of life unless we look at God and allow him to change us. We are going to waste our life playing in the dirt, playing with little toys, playing with short-term pleasures, and just, and just having fun a little bit at a time. That's all we're going to do. We're just going to waste our life away if we don't look at his glory, if we don't look up. And that's why we're doing this series. We are going to look up at God. We're going to spend six weeks just looking at God, looking at his glory, looking at what he has done for us, looking at worship, looking up towards him. Look and live. That's what God said to the Israelites. Look upon the snake. And then in the New Testament, look upon the Son of God and live. Here's what I'm going to tell you. You don't need more self-control. And you don't need more information. You need more God. You need more glory. That is all that is going to change you. You need a greater thrill. You need something to live for. And that's what God's given us. He's given us this great glory. And then we say, well, we just want the stuff you created, God. Let us play with that for a while. And God says, if you just look at my glory, it'll change you. No, 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 I'm just going to kind of look down here. We need something to live for. I, I want to I read you one more phrase in Exodus 34 as, as, as Moses comes down um, to the people. In, in, in verse 29, this is what it says. Listen to this. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. He was not even aware that he was glowing. Moses comes down and he's glowing. Imagine that, you're glowing. Like, there's like light coming out of your face and you don't, you don't even realize it. Why did he not realize it? Because he didn't do anything to earn it. He didn't do something to, to make glory, to make himself shine. A lot of times what Christians try to do is, is they say, well, um, I'm just gonna do a bunch of good stuff and then I'll shine. Then I'll shine and, and everybody will see it. Yeah, they'll see you, but they won't see God. If you want them to see God, you look at his glory and you reflect his glory. You stop trying to live for yourself and you start living for his glory. We need to live for God. We need to see his glory and live for it. And so we're going to close the bank and come back on up. Um, and, and, we're, and I just want to give you an opportunity um, <clears throat> to think about his glory a little bit. And first what we're going to do is, is what we're going to do uh, most weeks here at United is we're going to give people an opportunity to come to know Jesus for the first time, to give their lives over to Christ, to live for his glory, to see his glory for the first time. We've heard about his glory. We've seen a church and we might see a tidbit of his glory. We might see like kind of like a little ray of light, but we haven't looked upon his glory until we look upon Jesus. So I want to give you the opportunity to live for his glory. So everybody bow your heads, close your eyes. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to pray a prayer, and it is not words that save you, it's not the prayer that saves you, it's not my words um, that are special, it is, as Romans says, it is believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and confessing with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, that he is the son of God. And so we're going to pray a simple prayer, and you can just repeat after me, you can repeat out loud, you can repeat in the quiet of your heart, but all it takes is one moment of gazing on God.
and saying, I surrender to you. I want to do it your way. I want to go according to your glory and allow you to change me. I'm not going to change myself. I'm going to let you change me. It's a decision I made when I was almost 11 years old at a camp. I, just said, I, I said, I'm going to let you change me, God. And so with every, every uh, head bowed and eye closed and a, kind of in a time of, uh, of, of quiet and privacy, what I want you to do, if you, if you want to live for his glory, if you want to live according um, to his glory, not to your own, if you want to give your life over to, uh, to, to Christ, if you want to say, I'm going to look up towards the cross, I'm going to look up for the first time in my life, <clears throat> I just want you to shoot your hand up real quick. Raise your hand. No one's looking. I'm not even looking. I'm just looking down. I want you to make a physical, a physical sign of your surrender to him. And you can put your head back down or your hand back down and just repeat after me in this prayer. Jesus, I'm yours. I'm done doing it on my own. I'm done living for my own glory. I'm ready to live for you. Jesus, show me your glory. I know I've messed up. I ask that you forgive me. I know that you died on the cross and raised for my sins. Lord, save me. In your name, amen.